section twenty six of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven continued minor prose writers the puritan period is generally regarded as one destitute of literary interest but that was certainly not the result of any lack of books or writers says burton in his anatomy of melancholy i have new books every day pamphlets curantos stories whole catalogues of volumes of all sorts new paradoxes opinions schisms heresies controversies in philosophy and religion now come tidings of weddings maskings entertainments jubilees embassies sports plays then again as in a new ship scene treasons cheatings tricks robberies enormous villainies in all kinds funerals deaths new discoveries expeditions now comical then tragical matters so the record continues till one rubs his eyes and thinks he must have picked up by mistake the last literary magazine and for all these kaleidoscopic events there were waiting a multitude of writers ready to seize the abundant material and turn it to literary account for a tract an article a volume or an encyclopedia three good books if one were to recommend certain of these books as expressive of this age of outward storm and inward calm there are three that deserve more than a passing notice namely the religio medici holy living and the complete angler the first was written by a busy physician a supposedly scientific man at that time the second by the most learned of english churchmen and the third by a simple merchant and fisherman strangely enough these three great books the reflections of nature science and revelation all interpret human life alike and tell the same story of gentleness charity and noble living if the age had produced only these three books we could still be profoundly grateful to it for its inspiring message robert burton fifteen seventy seven sixteen forty burton is famous chiefly as the author of the anatomy of melancholy one of the most astonishing books in all literature which appeared in sixteen twenty one burton was a clergyman of the established church an incomprehensible genius given to broodings and melancholy and to reading every conceivable kind of literature thanks to his wonderful memory everything he read was stored up for use or ornament till his mind resembled a huge curiosity shop all his life he suffered from hypochondria but curiously traced his malady to the stars rather than to his own liver it is related of him that he used to suffer so from despondency that no help was to be found in medicine or theology his only relief was to go down to the river and hear the bargemen swear at one another burton's anatomy was begun as a medical treatise on morbidness arranged and divided with all the exactness of the schoolmen's demonstration of doctrines but it turned out to be an enormous hodgepodge of quotations and references to authors known and unknown living and dead which seemed to prove chiefly that much study is a weariness to the flesh 
by some freak of taste it became instantly popular and was proclaimed one of the greatest books in literature a few scholars still explore it with delight as a mine of classic wealth but the style is hopelessly involved and to the ordinary reader most of his numerous references are now as unmeaning as a hyper jacobian surface sir thomas brown sixteen o five sixteen eighty two brown was a physician who after much study and travel settled down to his profession in norwich but even then he gave far more time to the investigation of natural phenomena than to the barbarous practices which largely constituted the art of medicine in his day he was known far and wide as a learned doctor and an honest man whose scientific studies had placed him in advance of his age and whose religious views were liberal to the point of heresy with this in mind it is interesting to note as a sign of the times that this most scientific doctor was once called to give expert testimony in the case of two old women who were being tried for the capital crime of witchcraft he testified under oath that the fits were natural but heightened by the devils cooperating with the witches at whose instance he the alleged devil did the villainies religio medici brown's great work is the religio medici i e the religion of a physician sixteen forty two which met with most unusual success hardly ever was a book published in britain says oldys a chronicler who wrote nearly a century later that made more noise than the religio medici its success may be due largely to the fact that among thousands of religious works it was one of the few which saw in nature a profound revelation and which treated purely religious subjects in a reverent kindly tolerant way without ecclesiastical bias it is still therefore excellent reading but it is not so much the matter as the manner the charm the gentleness the remarkable prose style which has established the book as one of the classics of our literature two other works of brown are vulgar errors sixteen forty six a curious combination of scientific and credulous research in the matter of popular superstition and urn burial a treatise suggested by the discovery of roman burial urns at walsingham it began as an inquiry into the various methods of burial but ended in a dissertation on the vanity of earthly hope and ambitions from a literary point of view it is brown's best work but is less read than the religio medici thomas fuller sixteen o eight sixteen sixty one fuller was a clergyman and royalist whose lively style and witty observations would naturally place him with the gay caroline poets his best-known works are the holy war the holy state and the profane state church history of britain and the history of the worthies of england the holy and profane state is chiefly a biographical record the first part consisting of numerous historical examples to be imitated the second of examples to be avoided 
the church history is not a scholarly work notwithstanding its author's undoubted learning but is a lively and gossipy account which has at least one virtue that it entertains the reader the worthies the most widely read of his works is a racy account of the important men of england fuller traveled constantly for years collecting information from out-of-the-way sources and gaining a minute knowledge of his own country this with his overflowing humor and numerous anecdotes and illustrations makes lively and interesting reading indeed we hardly find a dull page in any of his numerous books jeremy taylor sixteen thirteen sixteen sixty seven taylor was the greatest of the clergymen who made this period famous a man who like milton upheld a noble ideal in storm and calm and himself lived it nobly he has been called the shakespeare of divines and a kind of spencer in a cassock and both descriptions apply to him very well his writings with their exuberant fancy and their noble diction belong rather to the elizabethan than to the puritan age from the large number of his works two stand out as representative of the man himself the liberty of prophesying sixteen forty six which hallam calls the first plea for tolerance in religion on a comprehensive basis and on deep-seated foundations and the rules and exercises of holy living sixteen fifty to the latter might be added its companion volume holy dying published in the following year the holy living and dying as a single volume was for many years read in almost every english cottage with baxter's saint's rest pilgrim's progress and the king james bible it often constituted the entire library of multitudes of puritan homes and as we read its noble words and breathe its gentle spirit we cannot help wishing that our modern libraries were gathered together on the same thoughtful foundations richard baxter sixteen fifteen sixteen ninety one this busiest man of his age strongly suggests bunyan in his life and writings like bunyan he was poor and uneducated a nonconformist minister exposed continually to insult and persecution and like bunyan he threw himself heart and soul into the conflicts of his age and became by his public speech a mighty power among the common people unlike jeremy taylor who wrote for the learned and whose involved sentences and classical allusions are sometimes hard to follow baxter went straight to his mark appealing directly to the judgment and feeling of his readers the number of his works is almost incredible when one thinks of his busy life as a preacher and the slowness of manual writing in all he left nearly one hundred and seventy different works which if collected would make fifty or sixty volumes as he wrote chiefly to influence men on the immediate questions of the day most of his work has fallen into oblivion his two most famous books are the saints everlasting rest and a call to the unconverted both of which were exceedingly popular 
running through scores of successive editions and have been widely read in our own generation itzhak walton walton was a small tradesman of london who preferred trout brooks and good reading to the profits of business and the doubtful joys of a city life so at fifty years when he had saved a little money he left the city and followed his heart out into the country he began his literary work or rather his recreation by writing his famous lives kindly and readable appreciations of dunn wotton hooker herbert and sanderson which stand at the beginning of modern biographical writing the complete angler in sixteen fifty three appeared the complete angler which has grown steadily in appreciation and which is probably more widely read than any other book on the subject of fishing it begins with a conversation between a falconer a hunter and an angler but the angler soon does most of the talking as fishermen sometimes do the hunter becomes a disciple and learns by the easy method of hearing the fisherman discourse about his art the conversations it must be confessed are often diffuse and pedantic but they only make us feel more comfortably sleepy as one invariably feels after a good day's fishing so kindly is the spirit of the angler so exquisite his appreciation of the beauty of the earth and sky that one returns to the book as to a favorite trout stream with the undying expectation of catching something among a thousand books on angling it stands almost alone in possessing a charming style and so it will probably be read as long as men go fishing best of all it leads to a better appreciation of nature and it drops little moral lessons into the reader's mind as gently as one casts a fly to a wary trout so that one never suspects his better nature is being angled for though we have sometimes seen anglers catch more than they need or sneak ahead of brother fishermen to the best pools we are glad for walton's sake to overlook such unaccountable exceptions and agree with the milkmaid that we love all anglers they be such honest civil quiet men summary of the puritan period the half-century between sixteen twenty five and sixteen seventy five is called the puritan period for two reasons first because puritan standards prevailed for a time in england and second because the greatest literary figure during all these years was the puritan john milton historically the age was one of tremendous conflict the puritan struggled for righteousness and liberty and because he prevailed the age is one of moral and political revolution in his struggle for liberty the puritan overthrew the corrupt monarchy beheaded charles i and established the commonwealth under cromwell the commonwealth lasted but a few years and the restoration of charles the second in sixteen sixty is often put as the end of the puritan period the age has no distinct limits but overlaps the elizabethan period on one side and the restoration period on the other 
the age produced many writers a few immortal books and one of the world's great literary leaders the literature of the age is extremely diverse in character and the diversity is due to the breaking up of the ideals of political and religious unity this literature differs from that of the preceding age in three marked ways one it has no unity of spirit as in the days of elizabeth resulting from the patriotic enthusiasm of all classes two in contrast with the hopefulness and vigor of elizabethan writings much of the literature of this period is somber in character it saddens rather than inspires us three it has lost the romantic impulse of youth and become critical and intellectual it makes us think rather than feel deeply in our study we have noted one the transition poets of whom daniel is chief two the songwriters campion and breton three the spenserian poets wither and giles fletcher four the metaphysical poets donne and herbert five the cavalier poets herrick carew lovelace and suckling six john milton his life his early or horton poems his militant prose and his last great poetical works seven john bunyan his extraordinary life and his chief work the pilgrim's progress eight the minor prose writers burton brown fuller taylor baxter and walton three books selected from this group are brown's religio medici taylor's holy living and dying and walton's complete angler suggestive questions one what is meant by the puritan period what were the objects and the results of the puritan movement in english history two what are the main characteristics of the literature of this period compare it with elizabethan literature how did religion and politics affect puritan literature can you quote any passages or name any works which justify your opinion three what is meant by the terms cavalier poets spenserian poets metaphysical poets name the chief writers of each group to whom are we indebted for our first english hymn-book would you call this a work of literature why for what are the qualities of herrick's poetry what marked contrasts are found in herrick and in nearly all the poets of this period five who was george herbert for what purpose did he write what qualities are found in his poetry six tell briefly the story of milton's life what are the three periods of his literary work what is meant by the horton poems compare l'allegro and il penseroso are there any puritan ideals in comus why is lycidas often put at the summit of english lyrical poetry give the main idea or argument of paradise lost what are the chief qualities of the poem describe in outline paradise regained and samson agonistes what personal element entered into the latter what quality strikes you most forcibly in milton's poetry what occasioned milton's prose works 
do they properly belong to literature why compare milton and shakespeare with regard to one knowledge of men two ideals of life three purpose in writing seven tell the story of bunyan's life what unusual elements are found in his life and writings give the main argument of the pilgrim's progress if you read the story before studying literature tell why you liked or disliked it why is it a work for all ages and for all races what are the chief qualities of bunyan's style eight who are the minor prose writers of this age name the chief works of jeremy taylor thomas brown and isaac walton can you describe from your own reading any of these works how does the prose of this age compare in interest with the poetry milton is of course accepted in this comparison chronology seventeenth century history sixteen twenty five charles i parliament dissolved sixteen twenty eight petition of right sixteen thirty sixteen forty king rules without parliament puritan migration to new england sixteen forty long parliament sixteen forty two civil war begins sixteen forty three scotch covenant sixteen forty three press censorship sixteen forty five battle of naseby triumph of puritans sixteen forty nine execution of charles the first cavalier migration to virginia sixteen forty nine sixteen sixty commonwealth sixteen fifty three sixteen fifty eight cromwell protector sixteen fifty eight sixteen sixty richard cromwell sixteen sixty restoration of charles the second literature sixteen twenty one burton's anatomy of melancholy sixteen twenty three withers hymn book sixteen twenty nine milton's ode on the nativity sixteen thirty sixteen thirty three herbert's poems sixteen thirty two sixteen thirty seven milton's horton poems sixteen forty two brown's religio medici sixteen forty four milton's areopagitica sixteen forty nine milton's tenure of kings sixteen fifty baxter's saint's rest jeremy taylor's holy living sixteen fifty one hobbes leviathan sixteen fifty three walton's complete angler sixteen sixty three sixteen ninety four dryden's dramas in parentheses next chapter sixteen sixty six bunyan's grace abounding sixteen sixty seven paradise lost sixteen seventy four death of milton sixteen seventy eight pilgrim's progress published parentheses written earlier end of section twenty six end of chapter seven